This is the day that the Lord has made. I've got a scripture for the election. Oh. <laughs> We are so thankful you are here today. I was just telling Matt that worship time was awesome. Uh, Dino is home. There's a little sickness going on in the Gilly family. And, and at the very last minute, um, they got the notice. And I thought they did an excellent job. Let's give the worship team a hand again today. I'm... You know, when I forget what time it is and what's going to be happening, you know that's good worship. Because I'm just like, oh, that's right, i got to be speaking here. So you guys did a great job, and, and we're so thankful. Um, we're continuing on in our superhero series. I hope you like it. Um, and and uh, once again, as you, if you haven't caught, Superman was my favorite hero. And there were so many similarities about him and Jesus Christ that they were both sent to this planet from their father, and I know one is fictitious and one is definitely for real. But you know, there were so many similarities about uh, all of that was happening. And if any of you are Superman buffs, you know that he always had a, a kind of an ongoing nemesis, and his name was Lex Luthor. Do you all remember Lex Luthor? Yeah. In fact, I got a little clip I want to show you about Lex Luthor, who is always Superman's nemesis, enemy, and also Lex always is trying to discover Superman's weakness. And in this scene, he has discovered kryptonite and what kryptonite will do to Superman. So we have that clip to show. You diseased maniac. You really think you could hide it from me by encasing it in lead? I'll mold this box into your prison bars. Don't touch that. I told you. That's kryptonite, Superman. Little souvenir from the old hometown. I've spared no expense to make you feel right at home. You were great in your day, Superman. But it just stands to reason. When it came time to cash in your chips, it's opened. A diseased maniac would be your banker. Mind over muscle. You don't even care where the other missile's headed, do you? Certainly I do. I know exactly where it's headed. Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> I have to leave you now. No hard feelings. We all have our little faults. Mine's in California. <laughs> I was telling the guys, you know, I learned one thing about bad guys. When they're trying to kill the good guy, they always leave the room, you know? <laughs> and if you learn one thing, stay in the room, okay? Needless to say, Superman does come out of that situation, okay? Yeah, I didn't want to leave you hanging there, but he does get plucked out of the water and, and goes on. And well, I don't want to throw the end of the movie off for you, but everything turns out good. So, But you know, we as born-again believers also have a, a foe, a nemesis out there. And his name is Satan. 
And Satan is always looking for our kryptonite. What is it that is in our weakness? You see, Satan was there when you were being criticized as a child and he was noticing how you were responding to criticism. And Satan was there when you were getting rejected by a family member or a loved one and he was noting how you were responding. He's constantly watching our reactions to situations and what is our kryptonite? See, sometimes when, especially when we decided we were going to go into full-time ministry, we became very aware of the way we responded because we knew that Satan was noticing. So that if we were feeling a little sick in our body, we pushed forward. Because we noticed that if we allow sickness to become that kryptonite to our ministry, that we would constantly be fighting a battle of, of sickness. We found out that if words of, of disappointment or, or rejection would be our kryptonite. But man, we had to smile and praise God and bless those that persecute you and, and continuing to be a, a, a source of encouragement, even to those that were rejecting encouragement or those that were so hurt and embittered, they didn't know even how to respond. You see, Satan is constantly watching how we're responding so that he can find out our weaknesses. And once he finds that weakness, he will attack that weakness. He'll constantly attack that weakness in our lives. So we have to be constantly aware of how we react to situations. How we react to people. How do we respond to emails or texts or tweets now? We have to constantly watch that because Satan is watching our reactions. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a biblical superhero. His name was Samson. Now, the moment that I mention that name, you're running through probably the entire story of Samson. But how could I do a series on superheroes and not talk about one man who was exceptionally strong because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him? You'll notice that every time Samson did a mighty thing, it talked about the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Except for one time. We're going to go into that. You see, Samson was born with a purpose. Samson was born to deliver the people from the Philistines. So he was born with a purpose. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to start with Judges 13, verse 1. And it says, The people of Israel again did what the Lord considered evil. i got to stop right here. I'm going to tell you that I truly believe that the United States has been doing serious mistakes and at some point, judgment will come. We can't read about God's ways and say, we're turning our nose to God, we're turning our ways, uh, we're, we're turning a deaf ear. But it says, the people of Israel, again, did what the Lord considered evil. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. This situation right here is the very first time, it's the only time in the book of Judges where the people were not crying out for deliverance. Okay? The people were not even crying out for deliverance. In fact, if you studied what the Philistines did, as the Philistines conquered them, intermarried with them, and started changing their culture. And it became so adapted to the children of Israel to become like the Philistines that there was no cry to be delivered from their, their captors. Is that kind of not like the church in the world today? That there are times where the church and the world are so similar that we can't see what is what anymore. 
There are a lot of songs, and, and I'm, I'm not trying, I love Christian music, but there's, some, there's many songs that don't even mention the name of Jesus or God or any reference at all. In fact, they can be played on secular stations. And my kids and I, we have this ongoing debate, and they're saying, but, but their, their lifestyles are reaching across generation, and I love that. But when do we stand up for what Jesus Christ did on the cross for our lives? You see, when I preach, I preach Jesus Christ uncompromised. I don't say, you know, we have a, a higher power up there that just makes us feel good and tingly. And that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to hear about repentance. They want to hear about all the good things. But what happens is you can become so blended in with the world around you that you really don't stand out as light in the darkness anymore. And this is what happened with Samson. We also see that his strength was taken from him. And in Judges 16, verse 6, it said this. So Delilah said to Samson, here comes the question. Please tell me what makes you so strong. How can you be tied up so that someone could torture you? Now, what an interesting little question. You know, hey, by the way, all right, John, let me ask you a question. You know, just curious, as an Arlington police officer, how could somebody torture you? Well, that's a very odd question, especially coming from a friend and a pastor. Like, why are you even asking this question? This is Delilah, the love of his life. Instead of saying, hey, Samson, how can I encourage you in your quest? How can I help make you stronger? Do you need to eat more wheat or whey protein or something? What, what is it? Can I help you? No, she's trying to find out. In fact, her question really wasn't about the source of his strength. Her question was really about the source of his weakness. Satan will not try to encourage you in your strength. He's trying to find out about your weakness. And this is basically what's happening in this situation. If you really want to look at it, she's asking Samson, Samson, what's your kryptonite? What makes you normal? What would make you weak? In Judges 6, verses 15 through 19, this is what we see. Delilah said to Samson, How can you say that you love me when your heart isn't mine? Wow, does that sound like a bad Hallmark card or what, huh? <laughs> You've made fun of me three times now, but you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. I love verse 16, okay? I don't relate to this personally, but I love the scripture. Every day she made his life miserable with her questions, and she pestered him until he wished he was dead. <laughs> you say there's no humor in the Bible. I mean, I tell you to put yourself in a situation. How bad does it have to be that they recorded about you, okay? And this is a love story, quote unquote. Finally, he told her the truth. And he told her, because I'm a Nazarite, no one has ever cut the hair on my head. I was dedicated to God before I was born. If my hair is ever shaved off, my strength will leave me, and then I will be like any other man. I'm going to tell you also, Satan is not going to give up on you. He's going to be constantly, 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 constantly trying to find your weakness. See, Samson's hair was the symbol of a special vow, a Nazarite vow. And his hair was the visible sign of that commitment to God. Just like I wear a ring, which is a visible sign of my commitment to my wife, a Christian. But as soon as it was cut, it was over. 
and he would be as weak as a child. Now my question to you is this, was Samson's hair really the source of his strength? No. no. Aren't we thankful that the length of our hair does not represent the anointing on our ministry, okay? Amen. <laughs> if not, the 80s hair bands, we would have had revival breaking out in the middle of these rock concerts. Because, I mean, they had the hair down to there. In fact, if you ever get a chance, you need to ask Dino about his hair length photo that he put up once when he was in a rock band before... God changed his life. You will not recognize him completely. He was the 80s hairband poster child. So if Samson had been bald, would it have made any difference to God? No. We're also told in Judges 16, verse 20, she said, Samson. Now this is where she'd been testing him over and over and over again, and he would give her false answers. So finally now he's told her the truth. And in chapter 16, verse 20, we see this. She said, Samson, the Philistines are attacking. And Samson woke up and he thought, I'll get up out as, as usual and shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. You see, Samson wasn't weak because his hair was cut. He was weak because the Lord had left him. His strength came from God. His strength came from God. His weakness came from cutting that relationship with God. Do you understand? It wasn't his hair. It was his relationship with God. And what we have to understand in our lives <coughs> is that when we lose touch with our relationship with God, we lose our strength to become effective in this world. Whatever calling God has placed on our life, whatever difference we are to make out there, we have to maintain our relationship with God first and foremost. Many of you get pulled in so many different directions, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your schooling, whether it's in your work, whether it's in the community. But we have to maintain that relationship with God first and foremost. Because when this breaks down, as I've said before, when this breaks down, this breaks down. And all of a sudden comments or text or tweets all of a sudden start to irritate us. And we're not taking it to God in prayer in responding in peace. Responding in the flesh. How many times have you sent an email and a few, the moment after you had sent, you think, <clears throat> I shouldn't have sent that. I just created more ripples to this than the original rock did when it hit the water. That's when we're walking in our flesh and not in our spirit. So if Samson's hair wasn't really the source <coughs> excuse me, of his weakness, what was? Well, let's take a look at one or two factors we know about Samson. Was it his sexual immorality? That was part of it. But let's also take a look that as chapter 16 opens, we see that Samson is going into the house of a prostitute. Should a man of God be going into the house of a prostitute? That's not a trick question. Should a man of God be going into the house of a prostitute? And then in a few scriptures later, we see that he's in bed with Delilah, a Philistine. Now, Samson's a player, okay? I'm going to tell you. He had the hair, he had the strength, he had the women. His one weakness was foreign women. All of his relationships were foreign women, and his parents did very little protesting. 
there's one weak little comment like, couldn't you find a nice local girl? That was it. I mean, as a dad, I'd be on this like white on rice. What is wrong with you? These are yahoos that you're dating. You know? Proverbs 5, verses 3 through 5 tells us that the lips of an adulterous woman drip with honey. Once again, sounds like a Hallmark star, doesn't it? Your lips drip with honey. If you ever get this, be careful because it sounds biblical. It doesn't end good. Her kiss is smoother than oil. Oh, but there's always buts in the Bible. You know what I mean? Because all of a sudden we just rule in a beautiful romantic moment. But in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood. She is sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet descend to death and her steps will lead you straight to hell. Yeah, all of a sudden, man, that card went from PG to R. It's like, wow. I start off with smooth kisses and beautiful lips, and now I'm in hell. Destruction happens. See, sexual sin doesn't just wipe out giants like Samson. It will wipe out all of us. Sexual sin will wipe out and affect all of us. It's one of the, whether, you know, and, and there's ways that we play around with this situation. We're watching R-rated movies, but, but we know when to close our eyes sometimes. Or we'll, we'll, as men, we'll look at magazines that are, are about hot rods or motorcycles, but they've got a lot of women in there that are scantily clothed. Well, we look at the hot rods. Yeah, good luck preaching that message. Okay, the thing of it is, is we, we, we see things on the internet. We're constantly allowing our eye gates to take in things of this world. And I'm going to tell you that it's going to wipe you out. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. Guys, anytime you're looking at a young woman and you're thinking, man, that's really attractive, think of that as if that was your daughter. Okay? There's a nice little cold shower you can throw on yourself anywhere, anytime, any place. Men daily deal with their own Delilahs. It could be somebody at work. It could be something that's just flirtatious little emails going back and forth. We're playing with Satan because the Word of God says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness, okay? So the person that's aggravating you, that is not the person. They're the puppet of the greater evil source that's trying to affect you, trying to discover your weakness, trying to constantly bombard your weakness, trying to make your life miserable until you give in. And I'm going to tell you, all of us don't need to be playing around with things that we can't handle, and no matter who you are, you can't handle it alone. You need that relationship with God pouring into your life. It's important that we understand. Many times guys will think, oh, this won't hurt me. It can destroy your life. You're thinking, I'm bigger than this. I can stop at any time. I can introduce you to a lot of addicts on the street right now that had that same thought the very first time they tried a substance. When it comes to sexual sin, this is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6.18. It says, run from sexual sin. Amen. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It is a sin against your own body. 
Your scripture may say flee fornication. That's not about the smallest sin in the world. That's talking about running away. Did you get that? Flee fornication. Little fleece. Just seeing if you're listening. Flee fornication is talking about... Come on now, at least give me a smile. Okay. It's talking about running away from those situations. Guys, should you ever run? Absolutely, if it's about a temptation. I will be proud of you if you said, Pastor, I ran away from temptation today. Amen. So going back to Judges 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he slept with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson's here. So they surrounded the place and waited all night at the city gate to ambush him. They were quiet all night. They thought, we'll kill him at dawn. Verse 3, but Samson was in bed with the prostitute only until midnight. Then he got up took hold of the doors, the doorpost, and the bar of the city gate, and pulled them out, and he carried them on his shoulders to the top of the hill facing Hebron. Now Samson has gone into a prostitute, and he has sinned sexually. And yet he still had the strength to carry the doors and the gates to a nearby hill. But I also want you to know that this is the first time it, it, does, it does not say... The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Look it up. Every other time, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. But when he had slept with the prostitute, he still had the strength to do this. But now we're seeing a change. A subtle change in the direction of his relationship with God. See, God cannot condone that sin. But he still had the strength to be able to carry that. But now it's saying, but the Spirit of the Lord was not upon him. Sometimes that is a very subtle thing in our own life. We're walking great in our ministry. We're walking great in our relationship with God. We're walking great in our, our marriage, our families. Everything is going great. And all of a sudden we start making subtle changes and we don't realize that the Spirit of the Lord is gone from our life because we're not spending the time that we were spending with God. And everything still seems normal, but it's changed spiritually. It has changed spiritually. Many times those around you will see the difference before you'll even sense it yourself. So God's Spirit could not partake in Samson's sin at, Gar at Gaza. And Samson's ultimate weakness was something else. So if it wasn't his hair, and it wasn't his, his sexual activities, then what was it? What was it that destroyed Samson? What was his kryptonite? I'm going to submit to you that his kryptonite was his pride. You see, Samson had pride in what he could accomplish. Samson had pride at his position in the Hebrew society. Samson had pride that he could go in and do things and not get caught. He could go spend time with a prostitute and nothing seemed to happen. He was taking pride more and more and more in himself so that his strength and his ability became his God. Instead of seeking God for his strength, his strength became his God. So we're seeing this in Samson's life, that he is not listening to anyone around him, and he's basically going out and doing what he wants to do. And Delilah is just playing right along with this. He has an attitude that I can do anything. 
Let me remind you that Proverbs 16, 18 tells us that pride goes before destruction and that a haughty spirit before a fall. We've seen this in our political world. We've seen this in the ministry. We've seen this in corporations. We've seen this where people get so powerful that they become their own source, their own strength, and all of a sudden they feel that they're indestructible. And then we read about it in a great fall, a big moral collapse, a, a huge business uh, falling to its knees. It's pride that makes us lean on ourselves when we should be leaning on God. It's pride in our life that helps, has us making our own decisions when we should be praying about God's direction in our life. Amen. See, God's ways are not our ways. One of the big tests in your life is to how much pride you have is to how much you're willing to follow God's ways. Mm -hmm. You see, if your life is full of pride, God's ways will make no sense to you and you'll have a better plan. I mean, think about that. No, God, that's not the way we should do it. This is the way we should do it. Trust me, I've been around for 50 years now, God, and I think I understand this. Pride. Pride. See, it's God's ways and God's wisdom will not make sense to us when we have pride in our life. You may think, Pastor Mark, I'm not that proudful of a person. Really, let's think about that. Really do inventory in our life and say, God, is there any pride within my life? Amen. That's a very serious prayer. Because it will be revealed if you ask God to reveal it to you. And if it is there, you're not going to like what you see. And hopefully it drives you to repentance to say, God, I never want to be prideful in your sight again. I would rather die than be prideful. You see, that's what God is looking for, is servants who will completely empty themselves so he can completely fill us. It's important that we understand who we are in this relationship. But what is so amazing about this story is that in spite of Samson's colossal failure, when he repented, when he repented, God restored his strength. Amen. Isn't that amazing? That it even says that while he was, they tore, they tore his eyes out and they chained him up. And almost like the Lex Luthor, they left him in that jail. And guess what happened while they were leaving him alone? His hair grew back. And I think his heart changed towards God and he realized. And I think what, what he was, when he was being chained up, he was praying to God, forgive me for being so prideful. Forgive me for not fulfilling the purpose that you had called me to, God. Forgive me for the way that I visited the prostitutes and laughed at the laws of my people. Forgive me for the way I played around with toys of the sex and sin in this world. And as that was happening, his hair grew back, and God restored his strength. And that's the important that we, thing that we have to understand. We all will fail. We all will have our Samson moments. But God is always willing to restore us. He is always willing to forgive us. There is no sin that he would not forgive us of if we'll cry out in repentance to him. Amen. 
it's important that we also understand God's word. Because when Satan is trying to attack your weakness, he is going to try to convince you that you are past repair. You are past restoration. And this is when you need to know the word of God. And this is when you go into the word of God and it says, 1 John 1, 9 tells me this, Satan. But if I confess my sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse me from all wickedness. That's what we need to be telling Satan when he's trying to tell you all the evil things that you've done. How you will never be a good person. How you are not lovable. How you are not forgivable. How you are a waste in this world. You get into the Word of God and you start declaring what God's Word says. That book that I was telling you about, declaring, even today during worship, I was speaking, God, I declare this in your Word. I declare this in your Word. There's something about making a declaration. There is something about you making a declaration spiritually. To say, I declare that my home is going to be peaceful. I declare that my business is blessed. I declare that my body and my family is healed. I declare that all past sins are gone. I declare that generational curses are broken in the name of Jesus. You have to get up and stand up and start making that declaration. And start fighting this as the superhero that you are. But it all comes through a time of repentance. Today, we always, and I lead every service with a, a chance for you to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, today is going to be a day of repentance. Is there anything in my life, God? Is there anything in my life that is hindering your work in my life? If you are bold enough and brave enough to pray that prayer... I believe that God is going to reveal areas of your life that we need to change, that we need to submit to God, that we need to cry out for mercy and repentance. And you know what? When Monday morning comes rolling around, we don't fall right back into the pattern that we had last week. It may mean that you have to start making declarations on your way to work. It may mean that you have to start making declarations on your way home. It may be that you have to express a declaration before you log on to the internet. It may be that you have to express a declaration before you watch a certain movie. But without change, nothing is going to change. See, we can have a kumbaya moment in here and you can ask for forgiveness and go right back into your sin. And until that change comes from inside of you that says, God, I'd rather die than commit that sin again. That's where true repentance comes in. Repentance is doing a complete 180 from the direction that we're, our life was heading. And saying, God, give me strength. Give me strength. Give me strength to do the right thing. Give me strength to speak the words of encouragement and love. Give me strength to fight that force of evil that has taken into our lives, our family, our workplace, our country. And every one of those levels we're fighting today.
God is revealing something in your life that has been displeasing Him. Whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's anger, bitterness, pride, jealousy, hate. If any of these things are popping into your life right now, and there's a little poster child for every one of those things that's happening in your life, you need to confess it to God. In fact, I'd find somebody that I trust in this world and I would say, I've been dealing with this in my life. Self-confession is helpful to keep you accountable to other people. I'd make sure it's not somebody who's going to Facebook it and gossip it all over the world. <laughs> but that you would have people in your life that you could trust to say, this is the issues that I'm dealing with. These are the things that I've never gotten over in my life. This happened 23, 28, 58 years ago, and I've never gotten over it. Today is a day of repentance, and today is the day to discover the strength that can be inside of you. Because maybe the Spirit of the Lord has left us because of those sins. Wouldn't it be great if today was a day all our hair grew back in? Amen. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer as we close this message. And it's a message I lead you with, prayer I lead you in each week. But if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you just think, I have been so messed up for so long, I just want a new start. I want to know that November 4th was the day that I received Christ. That that was the day my life completely turned around, a total 180. And I'm not going to be that person that the devil wanted me to be. But I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to make a difference in others. As Paul shared, receiving Christ is no longer about you. It's about serving others. Maybe today is that day for you. Today will be your spiritual birthday. And it all starts with a very simple prayer. Accepting Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior. So would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. During those few minutes, those precious few minutes, I pray that something, if there's anything in your life that's been hindering your walk with God, was revealed to you. And now you have that important decision. It's been revealed, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to bury it back again for another 23 years? You see, Deuteronomy 30, 19 tells us that I have given you a choice between life and death, blessings and curses. And it tells you, choose life so that you might live. See, the Word of God tells us that we're going to be constantly making decisions, decisions that will build us up or decisions that will tear us down, decisions that will build others up or will tear them down. And even the Word of God says, choose life, choose my way, choose of walking in the Spirit, so that you and your children may live. So it's important that we understand. We'll be making decisions this week. 
will be making decisions not only in our life but in our country. Make godly decisions. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss, so if you'd please stand. I love y'all. Hope I didn't beat anybody up today. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for coming today.